Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. The reticular activating system, which is our brain's natural filter. And so the the popular example of this is yellow car. Like if you're drive if you're driving right now and listening to this podcast in the car, you're probably going to see a yellow car right now. And it's not because you just manifested it. It's because now you're filtering for it. It was always there, but now you're looking for the yellow car. And the same thing happens with these goals in the books that we read. It's like the book has an infinite amount of information in it. You could view it from almost any perspective. But if you filter for one thing, like I'm looking to implement one thing from this book, it'll just jump off the page. And again, that's why I set a smart goal. I write it on the inside cover of the book and I reread it every time I read another chapter. And all of that is just to set you up for taking action on the books that you read. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed author, podcast host, and entrepreneur, Nick Hutchinson. Nick has dedicated his life to helping millions of readers take action on the information they learn and rise to their potential through his books, speaking, and personal brand. We discuss Nick's best tips to implement what you read, along with how to set smart goals with your books, replace scrolling with reading 15 minutes a day, details of his new book, Rise of the Reader, Nick's morning routine to dominate the day, and his one tip, get your body and mind back to what it once was. Really enjoyed my interview with Nick. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have Nick Hutchinson. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, Brian. Can I ask you the first question today? Oh, sure. At the time of this recording, man, it's the beginning of 2024 and I love to ask people about their favorite books. So I'm curious, what was the best book that you read last year? Putting me on the spot right off the bat. <laughs> well, I, I guess, can I be biased? Because I like yourself, oh, I came out with a book called The Stepladder System. So I have to say, which I have right here. There we go. So I think it's perfectly fine to be biased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my favorite book of like all time, you, you've probably called The Slight Edge. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Olson. Yeah, Jeff Olson, Slight Edge. I listened to your recent, um, I think you posted on Instagram um, uh, regarding like your favorite books for 2023. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw you like the Elon Musk one. What were the other ones that you that you enjoyed? Or how about yeah. this? Why don't you pick one of those? Sure. I, I You're right. I read about 100 books a year. I am the book guy. Uh, so it's always hard to pick a favorite. And I think every year I probably have a top 5% that generates 95% of the change. Mm. So the Elon Musk book was great, but I think my favorite book last year, if I had to pick one, was Be Useful by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. And Arnold's a, a controversial a controversial guy socially, politically, but he has the greatest dream to reality ratio out of anybody I've ever seen. I mean, the guy grew up in rural Austria in a house that had no running water, and he becomes the world's best bodybuilder, a super successful entrepreneur, gets paid $10 million a movie, even though he can barely speak English. Mm. Nobody can understand what he's saying. He ends up running one of the largest standalone economies in the world. And so 
talk about vision, you know, and talk about being useful and always in the right place at the right time. So I found his story inspiring and I found a lot of the lessons in there uh, to be inspiring as well. And so I think that was probably my favorite read of last year. Well, I watched that three-part documentary on him. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And I don't watch like a lot of TV. I I like to watch like uh, nonfiction things. Um, So someone told me about the Arnold one and um, I highly recommend it. I'm sure you've seen it. Yes, yes, I did. And, you know, that kind of image of Arnold in Vienna or whichever city it was looking at the posters in the window and thinking I could be that one day. It's like, I, I love those. I love entrepreneurship stories, you know, like start your business in your garage type of thing. And Arnold, you know, same kind of vibe there. So anyway, I really love what he has to offer. And he's obviously been a very useful person (laughs) throughout his life. Yeah. And uh, what got you into, I know you're an author, we'll get into your book, Rise of the Reader. And I see in your background, you have a lot of books back there. I will say I'm not the best reader. I'm trying to get better. It's like one of my goals uh, is to you know read even 10, 15 minutes a day. Um, I'm reading a book now, and now I'm drawing a blank, but who's the other big reader, the speed reader guy? Jim a, Quick. Yeah, yeah. Limitless, maybe? Limitless. I'm reading Limitless right now. Really enjoy it. Nice book. Uh, yeah. my, my type of book. But like, what got you into teaching people you know, how, to, how to optimize and, and you know, reading and all this entrepreneurship. Well, I'm excited, Brian, today to to help you with your reading journey. And everybody in the audience can kind of listen along and apply what we're talking about to their lives too. So I was not a reader growing up at all. I was more of the athlete stereotype, not really much of the academic. I mean, you couldn't pay me to read a book when I was in middle school or high school. I was just a terrible student. (laughs) (laughs) I focused mostly on playing football and I was captain of the wrestling team. And like, that was my life. And that behavior, sort of this anti-reading attitude that I had generated, that followed me through most of my college experience as well. But everything changed for me when I took an internship going into my senior year of college at a local software company. It's a sales internship. And my boss, Kyle, at the time, I think he recognized some unfulfilled potential. That's probably a nice way to put it. (laughs) This like cocky, know-it-all, kind of arrogant, 20-year-old sales guy thought he could rule the world. And Kyle, he he was looking to humble me a little bit. And he basically said to me one day, Nick, you're commuting an hour each way, five days a week. That's 10 hours a week in the car. Listening to the same music, the same radio stations. It's not going to get you closer to where you want to be in life, but the right podcast might. So that's actually where I started. I started listening to these people get interviewed on podcasts and they would share what they had done to become successful. And again, I was commuting a lot and I fell in love with these types of shows because I didn't realize that these successful people were out there sharing their secrets. Nobody had told me about podcasts before. And this was 2015-ish. And so I started listening to these shows and Very quickly, I realized that so many of them were giving credit to the books that they had read or the books that they had written. And I just realized like, if I was choosing not to read these books because I didn't think they were cool, then I was also choosing to live under my potential. And uh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I just realized like, wow, I'm I'm kind of arrogant. Like I'm kind of a know-it-all. And there are these people out here 
condensing decades of their lived experience and greatest life lessons into days of consumption. And it's available for $20 in a few hours of your time. And you're choosing not to read it because reading's not cool. <laughs> so to, to make a long story short, I went to my local Barnes and Noble one day on a lunch break. I grabbed about 10 books, which was a lot of money for me at the time. Uh, and I have not looked back over the last 10 years or so. I've read 50 to 100 books a year and I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And so your your book reading journey, what what sort of like what book stands out for you back in, in, in the day that sort of like led you down that path of like self-development? Well, when I was a business student. I had a number of insecurities around the subject of money, right? I'm a business student who doesn't know anything about money. I mean, I'm barely getting by in my financial statistics classes and 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 things like that. So I would shy away from conversations. You know, there were a lot of kids in my school who were the top performers, right? They're in all the clubs, they're in the investing clubs and the sales clubs and they're talking about all these big companies they're going to go work for. And I would always have to leave those conversations again, because I was just really insecure. I didn't understand the world of money. And so what was interesting about all of these successful people talking about the books that, that changed their life, a lot of them were personal finance, investing, or financial literacy type books. So that's what I started with. And so I read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, mm -hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And I just went into that niche, Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Mm. And I went back to school for my senior year, and I was leading those conversations. So I went from like shying away and insecure and not understanding them to leading those types of conversations when I was around them. And I just, I realized like, wow, you know, that wasn't very difficult or expensive to go from back of the class to front of the class in a subject. Like, I wonder what other insecurities I could start <laughs> removing and what other areas of confidence I can start creating. So that was kind of like the thing for me. It was like a veil had lifted and I discovered this magic sauce to go from insecure to confident. And then I started to realize there are books about everything, but those were the first books. They were all personal finance, investing type books. Yeah. I like the same type of books. I remember Robert Kiyosaki's book was something that I read early on. So we talk about reading. Well, I, one thing I, I find hard sometimes is, you know, I, I don't read for that long. And then like implementing what you're reading is obviously really important. How can you go, how can individuals take what they learn and sort of implement that? I love this question. And uh, I could talk about it for like 25 minutes. So you'll have to stop me when you feel it's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> and to give a little good. bit of context here, I started sharing the books I was reading on social media because none of my friends or family wanted to hear anything about these books. <laughs> so I turned to social media. I started posting. I developed quite a bit of a following accidentally. I mean, that was never my intention. And over time, I had just received questions like, how do I choose the right book? Or how do I remember more from the books? How am I supposed to take notes? How do I implement more? Mm -hmm. And I was forced to go find these answers. So again, this is not something that I was born with the skill set for. I was just, I became a subject matter expert accidentally through social media. And then I was forced to go find the answers, right? So when I'm when I'm talking about implementing from books, 
uh, I have a lot to offer, you know, and it's all in my book, Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn. But I love to share a couple of like quick hits for people. So the first thing that I love to offer is we need to set a SMART goal for the books that we read. So SMART is a goal-setting acronym that's used typically in the world of business, but it's never applied to reading. And one day I just sort of mesh the two together and voila, here's a great way to read books. And it forces you to take better action and implement. SMART, for anybody that's not familiar with it, is a goal-setting acronym that stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, meaning you're emotionally connected to the goal, and Time-bound. You give yourself a deadline for taking action. And so let's talk about Jim Quick's book, Limitless, for a minute. Instead of sitting down and just starting the book, what I would recommend is before you start the book, set a SMART goal. Something like, I'd like to find and implement at least one way to improve my brain by the end of February or something like that. And... What you do with that SMART goal is you say, okay, that is specific. Like I know what my goal is. I'm, I'm looking to implement at least one way to improve my cognitive function or something like that. It's measurable. At the end of February, you will know whether or not you implemented one strategy for improving your brain. Is that attainable? Like, is that realistic action? Of course it is. You're just looking to implement one thing. I think oftentimes people get so overwhelmed. They set such large goals. Like I want to 10X my reading speed and like finish a hundred books this year mm. that they don't take any action. Mm. Is it relevant? Are you emotionally connected to improving your cognitive function? Of course we all are. We all want to be smarter and be able to digest information and upgrade the supercomputer between our ears. And then the T is probably the most important, which is you give yourself a deadline to take action time bound. So by the end of February. So what I'll do with that smart goal is I'll write it on the inside cover of the book, the physical paper book, and I'll review it every time I read another chapter. So I'm sharing my goal with the book so that the book can share just the most important information that I can take action on back with me. Yeah. Our brains have this, and Jim might even talk about it in Limitless. I forget because I read the original version, not the new updated one, which was a few years ago. But Jim, uh, he may talk about this thing, the reticular activating system which is our brain's natural filter. And so the the popular example of this is yellow car. Like if you're drive if you're driving right now and listening to this podcast in the car, you're probably going to see a yellow car right now. And it's not because you just manifested it. It's because now you're filtering for it. It was always there, but now you're looking for the yellow car. And the same thing happens with these goals in the books that we read. It's like the book has an infinite amount of information in it. You could view it from almost any perspective. But if you filter for one thing, like I'm looking to implement one thing from this book, it'll just jump off the page. And again, that's why I set a SMART goal. I write it on the inside cover of the book and I reread it every time I read another chapter. And all of that is just to set you up for taking action on the books that you read. Yeah. Love that. Because I find I get into books and and I enjoy them, but it's like, then when you're done with them, it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. Now what? Especially because I, I I enjoy nonfiction, and I'm assuming that's sort of that's what you enjoy. Yes, yeah. yeah. What I'm teaching is mostly for nonfiction. I think that there's so much value in reading fiction as well. But yeah, we want to take action on the nonfiction books that we read. Otherwise, they're closer to a form of entertainment than they are education. 
which sometimes stings. It's like, I'll say to people, like when I'm speaking at conferences, I'll say, raise your hand if you've read the seven habits of highly effective people. And every hand in the room typically goes up. And then it's like, okay, now keep your hand up if I can call on you and you can name the seven habits. And every hand goes down. And so the question is like, what's the use of reading or learning anything if we can't even retain the simplest information from it? So again, it's it's just to say that these books, they have so much value, but the value only translates into your life and materializes through action. And if you don't take action, then it's just a form of entertainment. Like it's 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 almost meaningless. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. And and then you wrote the book Rise of the Reader. And what sort of uh persuaded you to get into that? I mean, obviously as as a an avid book reader, and it seems like you've built quite the following in uh, just recommended book recommending books, you probably felt like I should write a, a book for myself, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just over the years, I've just received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of very similar questions. Like, yeah, and when somebody reaches out and they say, Hey, Nick, you know, I, I'm looking for a book on X. I always have a recommendation. But when people would ask me, hey, Nick, I'm looking for a book that can help me retain and implement more from the books I'm reading. I'm like, it doesn't exist. Mm. One of the authors that I worked with years ago named MJ DeMarco, uh, MJ has a, a best-selling book called The Millionaire Fast Lane. And MJ drives a Lamborghini. So whenever he's at the grocery store or restaurant or whatever, and people come up and they say, whoa, look at the Lamborghini. Like, how do I get a Lamborghini? He'd pop the trunk, which I guess is in the front of a Lamborghini. I don't know yeah. one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he'd hand them a copy of his book and he'd say, here are the secrets. And I always envisioned myself being able to, to do that. You know, once I heard MJ talk about it, I was like, man, when somebody says, how do I choose the right book? Or how do I take great notes? Or how do I implement more from books? Like I just envisioned being able to send them a link to the book and say, this solves your problem. Mm-hmm. Just have to read it. Because answering through a DM or like a quick voice note or something like that, that that's not enough context, you know? So I spent the last couple of years detailing everything I could find and try out and, and succeed with related to implementing information. And so it took a couple of years to write, but yeah, it's available now for everybody. And what what would you say for individuals who have a tough time finishing books? They start them, they don't finish them. This is my problem. <laughs> and like, do you just give yourself a certain amount of time throughout every day to to just set aside to read? Is that how you sort? Is that like would be a first step, or how do you go about doing that? So um, yeah, I'll address all of those questions. So or both of those questions um, in maybe a funny order. So okay. if there's anybody listening or watching today who's like, I get it, personal development books, but not really my thing. I don't have time to read. That's something I hear all the time. I don't have time to read. So I'll typically follow up with this question if it's one-on-one. I'll say, hey, Brian, if I paid you $10,000 to read a book by the end of next month, do you think you could do it? Right? And you're like, yeah, I think I could do that. Mm -hmm. And you've fallen into my trap because it's not a question of whether or not you have the time to read. It's a question of whether or not you value reading enough to prioritize it over other activities. If you were being paid 10 grand, like, yeah, sure, I'll read 10 books. Mm. But if I'm not being paid anything, maybe not. So once we kind of get on the same playing field of like, okay, we can read, then I actually recommend what you're doing, which is starting with 15 minutes a day. 
And instead of trying to find time, I recommend replacing a low impact activity like scrolling on social media or watching Netflix with reading a great book. Not the whole thing, but just 15 minutes. And if you could do it twice a day, that's even better. 15 minutes of social media in the morning, out the window, replace it with reading. Mm -hmm. And the first 15 minutes of your TV or your Netflix, or your sports with reading a great book. In 30 minutes a day for somebody who's just starting out, that's about 20 pages. 20 pages, five days a week, Monday through Friday is 100 pages a week. And most of these books, they're 200 pages on average. So that's literally two books a month. 24 books a year just by replacing a little bit of social media and a little bit of Netflix with reading a great book. So that's how I recommend kind of getting into the habit. And you could start with just once a day, which is one book a month. That's 12 books a year just by reading for 15 minutes, five days a week. Um, and and pick something that you're emotionally connected to. Yeah. You know, I, I recommend like, what are, what are some problems that you're facing in your life? I just... Went last night to see uh, one of my favorite authors speak, Jordan Peterson. And Jordan, years ago, I heard him say that if you deal with a problem on a daily basis, over the next 30 years, you'll deal with that problem 11,000 times. So that's the math. 30 times 365 is 10,950. So again, if you're dealing with a problem, some type of problem, it could be personally, professionally, if you don't deal with it over the next 30 years, you'll deal with it 11,000 times. Or you could read a great book about how to solve that problem and implement it and remove the pain and not have to deal with the next 10,900 instances of it. <laughs> That's kind of how I think about emotionally connecting to a book. Like, yeah, everybody wants to remove pain or build a skill or satisfy a curiosity. And so with the amount of books that you're reading, have you become uh, obviously a faster reader or are you just giving yourself more time to read? I have become a faster reader. I don't love speed reading because I want my reading to be as sustainable as possible. And part of what makes something sustainable from my perspective is enjoying it. And so Jim Quick in Limitless, I mean, I think he has a ton of great recommendations. One thing that I don't love is removing sub-vocalization. So one of the things that Jim recommends is like, when you're reading, don't read it to yourself. Like don't have an inner voice replaying the information. And it's a weird process when you just scan a page and you hear nothing in your head. That's kind of how the speed readers do it. But for me, I don't enjoy that. Like a little bit slower and more steady mm -hmm. with a little bit more reflection wins the race mm -hmm. and it keeps it sustainable and it keeps me enjoying it. So you asked me before, like, how do I schedule a reading time into my calendar? I do this full time. I run a book marketing agency. So I'm a little bit different, but I schedule, I literally schedule 10 hours a week of reading into my calendar, which most of the time is one hour of reading a day, plus a bunch of extra time on the weekend with a cup of coffee and a relax kind of like Sunday morning vibe. But uh, that's how I do it. I schedule it right into my calendar because that's how valuable it is for me. And is that a one hour block or you, you space that out throughout the day? Cause it's I would, a one hour yeah. block for me. Okay. Yeah. Something that, uh, another thing that I like to, to bring up because a lot of times people have never thought about it this way. People will tell me, Hey, every time I open a book, I just fall asleep. Like <laughs> I got to read the same page five times in a row and I just can't concentrate on it and I fall asleep. And I'm like, when are you reading? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
at night after a long day of work when your willpower is depleted and the kids are bad and you've already worked out and you're just like drained and now you're trying to read or do you want to read when your energy is the highest? Like for me, I wake up in the morning, I go for a long walk with my dog in the woods. I get the exercise endorphins flowing and the sunlight in my eyes. Then I go to the gym and I do a quick 45 minute to one hour workout. Again, more exercise endorphins flow and I get home, make coffee, that caffeine hits my brain, exercise endorphins are flowing and then I read. Can't fall asleep after a gym workout, right? <laughs> so that's when I read because I know that my energy is the highest and my my like ability to receive information and form new neural connections and everything is at its highest. So I try to read my one hour block to kind of kick off my day after after my morning routine is done. Love that. And we talk about routines a lot on this podcast and I think for me, reading later in the day is an issue. Like I shouldn't, I I I fall asleep. Like if I go like late at night, it, it can help you fall asleep, which is not a bad thing. But yeah. you're not going to retain anything. So, <laughs> um, but I think I got to start moving my reading time up. And I've 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 done a little bit with that recently. What other routines do you implement? I know you're big into health and wellness, and obviously, you know, most of the people listening to this are look are into health and wellness or are looking to learn more about it. How how can you? What habits have you implemented to you know, sort of um, um, maybe improve your health? Well, uh, I know you know more than I do about all of these subjects, but <laughs> I'll, I'll share my routine in a little bit more detail with everybody and maybe some of the reasons behind what I'm doing. So I get up at 6.30 and immediately I'm downstairs and I'm out the door with my dog. The park that I, I walk with him is about a mile and a half away. So we drive there and I decide to start my day you know, drinking a lot of water and going on this one hour walk with him because I can get sunlight into my eyes before I consume caffeine. I can breathe the fresh air. I can get the exercise endorphins. It's slow cardio. Um, so it's really healthy for me. And I love that time. I don't listen to music. I don't listen mm -hmm. to podcasts. It's just, it's almost like a form of walking meditation where I can think about my day. I can think about things that I'm dealing with, solving problems, that type of thing. Then again, I, I'm back home and I'm drinking water this entire time and I move, I drop him off, I feed him and I go right to the gym and I do a one hour workout. Now, keep in mind this entire time I'm fasted. So I practice intermittent fasting. For me, I feel lighter. I feel better. I have more energy. I don't feel bogged down by digestion when I exercise in a fasted state and I do my one hour workout. A lot of times it's just strength training. Like I really enjoy um, you know, compound exercises where I'm building muscle and I enjoy my time at the gym. And I do consume a few things before I go to the gym, sometimes a pre-workout. Um, I'm always making sure that it doesn't break my fast. I take amino, like a full spectrum amino acids before I go to the gym. Um, you know, NMN, which is a, an NAD precursor that, that helps with energy and a few other things like that supplements. And, uh, after the gym, I'm back home. I do red light therapy. So again, I know I'm a, a crazy nerd with this stuff, but I sit in front of like a full spectrum red light device while I do my meditation before I take a shower. And that's great for your skin. It's great for recovery. It's great for collagen production. It's great for removing inflammation. It's great for a bunch of things. Um, 
you know, eyesight and longevity and stuff like that. And the meditation is great for me too. It's just another form of meditation. I practice TM, which is transcendental meditation. And so you're given a mantra and you repeat the mantra for 20 minutes in front of the red light. And like, it makes me feel like a million bucks. I shower, change, make coffee, and then I read. So that's what my morning routine looks like today. Um, There are other things that get added and, and taken away depending on energy. You know, I'm oftentimes journaling, um, like active vision type stuff, but, um, that's what it looks like today. I mean, love that routine. Even if individuals can just take a portion of that, uh, that would be great. I, I, we have similar routines. Where where do you implement, when do you do the reading part? Yeah. So right after shower change, read, and then I'll read up until, yeah. Shower, change, read, and then I'll, re- you know, make coffee, then read, and then I'll read up until my daily huddle gets kicked off with my team. Now, another thing that that might be kind of funny is I have a PEMF mat. So it's it's infrared heat plus it's pulsed electromagnetic frequency type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like consider it like grounding, like a grounding mat. And I read on that. So I have it in a chair and that's my reading. Who makes the grounding mat? Because I actually just got a grounding mat, but I'm like, I don't even know if this is working. <laughs> yeah. Right. The one that I use is from Higher Dose. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Higher Dose. My pen just went flying, but I'll use something else. <laughs> um, that's and great. I keep, I keep yeah. another mat here on my my computer stand, actually, that's by a company called Huga, H-O-O-G-A. Yeah. So I have that one right here. That's funny. Uh, you leave that on your on your stand there. Yep. So desk. I leave it on my desk, and my keyboard sits on top of it. My mouse, and um, you know, I don't know how much it's working either, but I like you know I like to have it here. I think that the higher dose mat is a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more you know, like you kind of feel it a little bit more. Cool. First time I got on it, I um, I set it to. There's different PEMF settings, and I set it to a setting. I almost felt like kind of high. Uh, which really? was funny. I don't know if it was a placebo effect or, or what it was, but yeah, there's different settings, and I set it to a frequency that's supposed to heighten focus, and I like felt kind of weird on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I've just got it, so I'll, I'll I'll have to see how it goes. But grounding mats. I mean, especially you're you're in Boston, where I'm in Chicago. It's not like we're walking barefoot much. So right, right. Ni- nice to have something like that. And then what about like evening routine? What's your evening routine look like? I've had long evening routines before. Right now, I don't have much of an evening routine. Um, my wife and I, we sort of, we sort of calm down with TV in most evenings these days. I mean, a couple of things that I'll say: I don't consume caffeine after two p.m. because caffeine has a half life of six to eight hours, and I don't want that going through my system while I'm trying to fall fall to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, in an ideal scenario, I'm wearing blue light blockers while we're watching TV, but I haven't really been good with that recently. I try to stay off my phone as much as possible. I will share that uh, I have quite a few, I don't know if you would call this a routine, but I have quite a few things set up. So uh, I use an eight sleep mattress pad, which is a mm-hmm. cooling mattress pad. It puts my mattress down to 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which mm-hmm. sounds really cold and it is, but it's super healthy for my sleep. I use a noise machine. I wear yeah. mouth tape at night. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot in common. I just letting you know this, Nick. So yeah. Does your wife think you're crazy like mine? 
<laughs> my wife uh, does think I'm crazy, although okay. she does work for a holistic healthcare company. She kind of thinks she thinks the whole industry is a little crazy, but she gets some of it. Like the eight sleep mattress pad. Now when we travel, because we do a lot of traveling, I might have, she's yeah. always upset that it's not with us. I thought about getting that. We were looking at, we've moved in like three years ago. And I was like, I looked into that. She wasn't having it. I mean, we keep our room cold though, like 60 to 65 degrees. So, but I, I there are times where I am warm and I feel like if the mattress was a little bit cooler, we tried to get a somewhat of a cool mattress. Um, I have to work on that one. I recommend it. It, it is an investment. They are expensive, but they have two zones. So my zone is much colder than her zone. And uh, if she ever rolls onto my side of the bed, she immediately goes back and she's like, why? That's freezing, you know? But I'll tell you what, I, I've noticed, a. I wear an aura ring, so I, I track everything. And there's definitely a, a measurable improvement of using the cold. And also it changes temperature throughout the night. So to get super nerdy when you're transitioning from your like kind of initial deep sleep period up into a REM sleep period, mm -hmm. you're actually supposed to have a, a step up in temperature, body temperature. And so the mattress goes up naturally through the night. So there's like, it hmm. sounds so goofy, but I'll tell you what, I've noticed legitimate changes from it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to work on that one. I'm going to work on that one. Um, Sleeping in a dark, cold environment is so important. I think a lot of people, you know, don't don't look into that enough. And it's really, I mean, we I we have a sound machine on, so we put the sound. I like the sound machine. We actually bring it when we travel now. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, blue light blocking glasses. I got those. Um, do you get the ones for the day? I uh, you should yes. try the daylight one. Yeah, the day ones. I do. Okay. Although I can't reach them right that, now, but, but right. yeah, I do. I, you know what I should, because I spend so much time in front of the computer and blue light, like a, a computer screen or a phone screen eight hours a day or you know, with TV, 10, 12 hours a day for 20 years, like that's damaging over right. the long term. So I, I really should be more about it. Dave Asprey owns a company called True. What is it called? true light something like that okay. and um they sent me a couple pairs one is a daytime wear one's an evening wear i'm really good with the evening wear but i've, I've got to pay more attention to the daylight um yeah i mean you if you get into the biohacking space there's there's a lot to go go down like the aura ring i, I think that's cool i've i've done a little bit with the whoop um mm -hmm. but i always say you're best off just sort of listening to to yourself right, right? we're our best uh, sort of, we have the best judgment of, of, you know, how our sleep is and how everything else is, but it's nice to get affirmation or confirmation, I should say from these devices. Um, what you know, about it's a little, yeah, real quick, like I've noticed, I've noticed there were nights where I thought I slept poorly and then I'll check the aura and it's actually better than what I expected it to really? be. Okay. Very rarely is it ever worse. I actually don't check it if I feel amazing, uh, which, which at this point I've optimized sleep so much that, I really don't check the aura ring very often, but every once in a while, if I'm like, oh man, I, I must've been up for like hours last night and I'll check it. And then I'll be like, oh wait, I was only out for 10 minutes. Mm. I actually feel better now. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, sometimes you might be wrong, right? Um, what other things as far as like, how's, how's your eating routine? Like, I know you said you fast mainly in the middle of uh, the morning and then 
Um, what type of things do you like to, to break your fast with? So I break my fast with AG1 every day, a half okay. an hour before I actually eat food. So I'll break my fast with Athletic Greens, which is just a super food supplement i've i've been taking it for four or five years straight now and i travel with the packs and everything like that um but i meal prep this kind of complex greek salad combination of things that that i eat every day for lunch so i have the same lunch every day uh it's mostly out of convenience and i'm not much of a foodie like Mm -hmm. i don't love eating food as much as most people do it sounds robotic but for me it's more of a I don't know. It's more of a chore sometimes. So I make seven Greek salads every Sunday when I'm home and the Greek salads that I, so I do my own sprouts at home. It's a salad mix of broccoli sprouts and some other things like that. Um, And I add, you know, I add some things into it from time to time, depending on what we're eating throughout the week. So sometimes there'll be quinoa in there as a base. Most of the time it's arugula. Sometimes I'll add chicken. I have chickpeas and onions and a whole bunch of other great stuff in there, hemp hearts. So that's what I eat for lunch every day. Then I'll typically snack a couple of times. Like I do, I make my own beef jerky at home. So I eat a lot of uh, red meat, mostly for dinners. We eat a lot of red meat. We eat a lot of meat. Um, And uh, for, for a healthy snack, like after dinner, I do this kind of nutty pudding mixture with Greek yogurt and cacao and a bunch of other stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm um I'm a pretty clean eater. Right now I'm on day 65 of 75 hard and my diet was no junk food, no bad snacks, no artificial preservatives, no dessert foods. So I'm like 70 days into eating super clean right now and I feel I feel really good as a result and I very 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 rarely ever eat after 8 p.m. So my window most days is 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. that's when I eat and I uh, very rarely break that. Yeah, I find like out of all the things that I've done one of the big ones is that I've never like wavered from is not eating too close to when I go to sleep. Like yeah. I think if you could just implement that that sets you up for better sleep, better digestion. And, you know, we all know that eating late, nothing really gets, nothing really uh, positive can come from eating late, late at night. So I'm typically done eating around 637 is when I try to be done. I've been, I, I can't, society isn't set up for this and I'm not crazy enough yet to do it, but in an ideal scenario, I continue to practice intermittent fasting, but I shift the first meal to the morning, second meal for lunch, and then I stop eating after lunch. Mm. Because in that scenario, you're fully digested and ready to focus on sleep and repair by the time you go to bed and you're not digestion, digesting anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's just too many dinners, too many business dinners, too much socialization around dinner with friends and family. And right. My, I don't think my wife would uh, ever budge on that one. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, well, I'm excited to check out your book, Rise of the Reader. What, what, what? Who's this book geared towards? Well, the way that I describe the demographics are young professionals who are already reading personal development style books to improve their health, their wealth, or their happiness, and they recognize that they could be doing more with the books. They could be implementing more. They could be taking more action. They could be reading more efficiently. And these people, 
they're typically, they recognize there's a difference between where they are today and where they want to be. So again, they're already reading books to sort of close the gap, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts, et cetera. And they just want to do it more efficiently. And so that's who the book is written for. I think there's something in there for just about everybody. So the first half of the book details strategies for retaining and implementing more from the books you read. The second half of the book, I actually included over a hundred healthy, wealthy, and happy habits that I've implemented from the books that I've read. So we just talked about a bunch of examples, red light therapy, sleeping with a cooling mattress. There's over a hundred that I put in the book, things that I've tried out from the books that that I've read and what the results have been for me. So uh, you can kind of flip through the back and choose your own adventure and implement or try out some of the things that I've done as a little bit of a shortcut. Love it. Yeah, it it is interesting because this is, I feel like somewhat of a missing piece because there are so many self-help books out there. But like, I think people keep running into the same problems where they get all this information. Same thing in the fitness industry and the health industry. There's so much out there. How do we implement it? How do we actually put it into action? And with reading, I feel like this is like the missing piece. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, you know, the book has done very well so far. And I I expect that it will continue to do well as people read it and they use the information to improve their reading. I, I do think there's a book to solve every single problem, but unless you know how to implement the information, it won't solve your problem, right? Like no, I have this funny little, I guess you'd call it a graphic or whatever in the book where it's like no books plus no implementation equals no change. Books but still no implementation equals no change. Mm-hmm. So it's only the books plus the implementation piece that leads to behavior change and ultimately results. And, and we can leave everybody with a funny metaphor. Um, this one always kind of hammers it home for people. So <laughs> one of my favorite meals, call it a cheat meal, call it whatever you want, is chicken Parmesan. I love chicken parm. My wife makes that all. Like she ah, jealous. Um, <laughs> so good. I love it. And Imagine you you set out to make the world's best chicken parm. So you buy cookbooks and you study the cookbooks. You're highlighting, you're underlining, you're researching, you're rereading the book a dozen times. You even buy all the ingredients, mm. but you never make the chicken parm. That would seem weird, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that effort, not to put it into action and taste the result. Yet people buy books on entrepreneurship and they don't start businesses. They buy books on personal finance and they don't change their spending behavior, build a budget. They buy books on health and fitness and diet, nutrition, and they don't change anything. So it's like, it blows my mind that we put all of this work in to change our behavior and then we just don't change our behavior. So again, rods of the reader, my aim is to solve that problem for people so that we take realistic action on every book that we read and build up the proof that we can become the person that we know that we can become. And and I think that's so cool. And we'll finish with this similar question that I ask all my guests, most of my guests, is what one tip would you give, maybe that we haven't touched on already, um, what one tip would you give an individual that's maybe looking to get their body or their mind back to what it once was maybe 10, 15 years ago? That's a great question. I would say, I have so many different recommendations (laughs) popping around my head. One tip for people to get their mind and their body back to where it was 10 or 15 years ago. I think it's movement. Movement is what my mind goes to. Walk every day for an hour, get outside, breathe the fresh air, 
get your body moving. If, uh, if you don't have a dog, you know, as a good excuse to walk in the woods, like, you know, pop in a pair of headphones, listen to an audio book, listen to more episodes of this podcast if you want to. Um, if you don't want to be alone with your thoughts, which sometimes people don't want to, but it's just get moving. You know, it's the small steps in the right direction that eventually compound and build a completely new human being. You'll be unrecognizable to yourself if you could just get outside and start moving every day. Love that. That's that's probably one of my top ones too. So um, yeah, if you don't have dogs, get out, you know, find a friend maybe. <laughs> yeah, find a friend. <laughs> or a significant other. Um, well, Nick, this was great. Uh, your website is nickhutch.com. Um, and I'll put links in the show notes for all that rise of the reader. I definitely want to check that out as well. And I appreciate you coming on and and sharing, sharing everything with us. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity, Brian. I enjoyed today's conversation. Thanks for listening to the get lean, eat clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.